0: Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is the Steel Curtain Network. State Schofield coming at you Thursday morning. We're rolling into March. We are on the cusp of the 2023 NFL League Year beginning. There is about to have a lot of stuff happen. When I talk to you next week, well, first of all, I'll be on vacation. Uh, I'll, I'll still be doing Stat Geek, but I'm I'm, I'm going to be enjoying spring break. Uh, at at the beach, but it's supposed to be very cold, but oh well. Bottom line is, it'll be a getaway. But during that time, it's also going to be pretty busy because we're going to have some other stuff to talk about because there is bound to be Steelers news. The Steelers are going to have to be salary cap compliant by 4 p.m. next Wednesday. Right now, according to my calculations, they are not. They are about $1.4 million over the salary cap, but it's not really that big of a deal. I, I know some people are like, well, wait a second, Dave. I thought they had all this cap space. They did have cap space when they didn't have enough players to fill out their roster. Even adding guys that are reserve futures contracts, I mean, you're talking about filling this up at, you know, 780 and a pop or $870,000. Some of them are some of these minimum contracts for someone with four years or more the minimum contract, the NFL this year is over a million dollars. So when you're talking about adding, you know, 15 more roster spots that weren't counting towards the salary cap, that's $15 million. So that's why the Steelers are a little bit over, but do not fret. Do not be afraid. It's really not that big of a deal because they haven't done anything anything to try to save salary cap space at this time. Now it's been reported that William Jackson III is going to be released. That's going to help a lot. He's got over $12 million um, in in cap space. But remember, there's also roster displacement, which means if he goes out, someone else has got to come in. So I would say it's just over $11 million that the Steelers would save with him. Uh, is a good way to, to to say it, so they would have almost ten million dollars. Jeff Harbit was pretty close yesterday. Uh, sometimes I think jeff doesn 't realize uh, what the dead money means you don 't subtract off dead money. it just means it's dead money you don 't have to subtract that from the cap savings because a lot of you might think that when you say oh they have an you know for for example uh miles jack he has an eight million dollar uh, cap saving, but he's got a, a $3.25 million dead money hit that doesn't come off of the $8 million you would save. You would still save $8 million. It's because his the bottom line is his cap number for this year is right now $11.25 million. Uh, I know all this because I wrote an article about um Miles Jack that ran on Wednesday at behindthesteelcurtain.com. That website still exists. So What it means is out of his $11.25 million, if the Steelers were to release him, which according to my article, I said, no, don't do that. Uh, I would rather see the Steelers extend him another year than to release him. But anyway, uh, you can go check that out and you can vote in the poll to see what you would prefer if you would prefer that they would release, uh, retain, or extend Miles Jack. But the numbers would be, his salary cap number is $11.25 million so if he were to be released 3.25 of that stays on the cap and it but instead of being under his name it just slides over into the dead money that's just where it gets moved the other 8 million gets moved out in cap space. So that's how that breaks down. Uh, But would it be $8 million? No, because you'd have to have the bottom, the number 52 salary that doesn't count yet would have to pop back up in there. So that means the difference in those, that's how much the Steelers would save. But then if they would sign somebody else, you're like, wait a second, they don't save all that. But remember, then when they sign someone else and that same player gets bumped out, That's even less that that player would then cost on the salary cap. So when you cut someone it bumps somebody up in, so your savings isn't as much, but when you sign someone, it bumps someone out and you got to subtract that off. So it doesn't hurt as bad. It, if you sign someone and release someone at the same time, they just they swap. Then you don't have to worry about the roster displacement. It's just something that you look at otherwise. So I've already gone all steeler stat geeky on you. I'm explaining the salary cap stuff, but it's nice to know what's going on with that before free agency comes. And free agency is a big one. So, but I have questions to answer today. And I'm talking about defense. I'm talking about all-time defense. First, I'm going to be talking about comparing some stuff with specific teams, with teams of the Steelers, meaning specific years, specific seasons. And then I'm going to be looking at some, some specific tandems based on a question. Now, speaking of questions, I'm still looking for them. STLR Dad, that's me on Twitter. You can hit me up there, send me a message. And we have, you can email me at Superfandad at gmail.com. I have some questions. I still have a few in my back pocket, which is great. If you sent me a question, I have it I have it saved to where I could address it, uh, which is good. Uh, but I'm always looking for more, as I said last week, because sometimes it's nice to group them together. I like grouping these two together because we're talking about all-time defense, and then you're talking about all-time. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and do the big reveal. It's all-time uh, safety tandems is what we're going to look at in the second half. So if we're going to get to this, we've... Got to get to it. Matt O'Grady emailed me, sent me a nice email. Um, I'm not. I'm going to skip the other parts of it um, because I. He well, he thanked me for answering his last question. So he said, "We all know the best defenses on the Steelers are from the 70s." Now, uh, that right there is a red flag. Okay, no offense to Matt. One of the things he didn't exactly say this. I don't like the phrase "we all know," where everybody knows that. Because most of the time when someone in all the the world with things, I mean, when you're talking about various things, the majority of the time when someone says, well, everybody knows that, they're probably going to be telling you something that's not really true. It's just everybody knows it, so they think it's true. They think that means that it holds precedence. In this case... I don't think that's the case. I think there would be a very great argument that some of the best defenses all time are of the Pittsburgh Steelers and from the 1970s. I agree with that. There's some other good ones in there too, but yeah, that, that's still a pretty good pretty good statement. So just like to bring that up that, that when you're having conversations with people, well, everybody knows that, you know, beware of that because what do I hear? Well, everybody knows that my, the Steelers can't win a, another Super Bowl under Mike Tomlin. No, everyone doesn't know that. We don't. All right. So, but in this case, this is backed up with data. So that's what Matt, that's what you got to do when you make a statement like that. So, uh, Matt knows the data backs it up. He says this. So after he said about that, um, best defenses are from the seventies, but since then, which seasons had the best defenses by the numbers and who were the best players on those teams by the numbers? Um, you know, he's, he said, "I think of TJ sack total from a couple of years ago, uh, but we had a lot of great players on defenses since the '70s." And he says, uh, "Thanks as always, and uh, and good luck with the new podcast ventures." Thank you very much. Here's the deal: when it comes to this question, I, 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 there's a lot to take in, so I have to go with what was actually. Sorry, as I'm as I'm dropping the question all over the place here. I have to go with what was actually asked. He wants to know about what the best defenses were and who the best players on those. So I didn't look up the best players unless they were on one of the best defenses. So this was my criteria. I decided that I was going to look at at Pittsburgh Steelers defenses from 1970 on that fit the criteria that they were in the top three in the NFL in both yards surrendered and points surrendered. There's two different ways you can, you can do defensive rank. You can do it by yards, you can do it by points. Yards is the more accepted way to do it, but points sometimes is the more valuable way to do it. I decided they've got to be top of the line in both, in both. You've got to be top three in the NFL in both. So that's what that was my criteria. Here's what I found the pittsburgh steelers did that three times in the 70s none in the 80s twice in the 90s four times in the in the 2000s and twice in the 2010s and believe it or not once in the 2020s so uh let's break it down year by year see what they got now there's some stats i just didn't, i didn't do because they don't go back to the 70s and you're going to find this in the next question as well. This is really tough. It's hard to compare when they don't keep track of tackles. Tackles were not well. First of all, tackles are not an official NFL statistic. Miss tackles are not an, uh, an official NFL statistic. Drop passes are not an official NFL statistic. So shockingly, even though the on on like the media reports that we get, they have the Steelers um, tackles they aren't something that the NFL officially recognizes but places like pro football reference which i use for my data here they they have gone back they're accurate into the 90s but even like i didn't even get accurate data for 1990 for tackles so therefore i didn't include tackles just because it just it, it, it you how can you compare two things when you only have one that, that you can do? It would be like trying to compare snap counts between someone between now, like now Kenny Pickett's rookie year and Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year. They didn't keep accurate snap counts like through pro football reference and, um, that far back. So those things are more difficult. So that's why I'm just, I'm just sticking with the big ones. So honestly, I'm going to tell you who had the most sacks and who had the most interceptions on these teams. But I'm also going to my to my go to move. I've got my go to move, and that go to move is AV. AV is um, approximate value. That's something that they use at Pro Football Reference. It kind of it gives a numerical value to how well of a season somebody had. So what I did was I looked at these teams, and I'm like, how many players did they have that had an AV of 10 or higher? I used AV for my articles on the best draft classes. If you've checked that out at behindthesteelcurtain.com. So, for example, in 1974, the Steelers had four players that had an AV of 10 or higher. It was Andy Russell with 10, Jack Ham with 15, Elsie Greenwood with 15, and Joe Green with 16. When it, when it came to the, the stats, oh, and their rate down, and then, uh, sorry, the, ra- the ranking breakdown, rank down, that's funny. Uh, the ranking breakdown was, the 1974 the Steelers were second in point surrendered and first in yard surrenders on on defense. They had four players with with A V that were double digits. They had um who was that? Um I'm trying to figure out. Um who had the most sacks? There was um they said uh Holmes had 11.5 sacks. I'm trying to figure out where that is. And that uh, I'm trying to, yeah, Ernie Holmes, sorry, E. Holmes. I'm like, I couldn't remember his first name. Ernie Holmes had 11 and a half sacks and Elsie Greenwood had 11 sacks. All right. There were three players that had five interceptions on that Steelers defense. Okay. Um, It was, it was Glenn Edwards it was Jack Hamm and it was JT Thomas. They all had five interceptions. So I'm going to give you some of the better players in the seventies teams as well. So then when you move on to the 1976 team, this team was first in both categories. This was something that, that was, you know, that was the first real, real special team for the Pittsburgh Steelers when it came to the defense. And they had nine players with double digit AV scores. One of which had a 20. Jack Lambert had an AV of 20 in 1976. There's only one other Steelers defender in any of these years where they hit these categories that had a 20. So that, because, um, you know, I'm only checking these years. So we'll get to that that uh, here uh, after a bit. But Lambert, 20. Ham, 17. Edwards, 14. Green, Joe Green, 14. Mel Blunt, 13. Mike Wagner, 13. LC Greenwood, 11. JT Thomas, 11. And Ernie Holmes, 10. So, in other words, they really had some solid years in there. And what's crazy is their numbers weren't as much um, when it came to sacks. Now, remember, they, sacks were, were were kept as a team, but they weren't individually granted until 1982. But Pro Football Reference went back and Great Gate handed out sacks all the way back, I think the 1960 is where they're at now. So, but um, Joe Green had six sacks. He led the Steelers that year. There were two players that had six interceptions, it was Mel Blunt. And Glenn Edwards each had six interceptions in that year. So to me, that was that was the cream of the crop. 70s defense was the 1976 Steelers defense. And for people that know their Steelers history, they probably would agree with that. That defense really did something special. But as you know, you can have the best defense your franchise has ever seen. Injuries can derail things, and things just don't work out the way uh, you expect them to to win a championship. But if you go on to 1978, which was the other year from the 70s, the Steelers finished first in points, third in yards. They had six players have 10 or more of an AV, which was Jack Ham with 14, Mel Blunt 12, Joe Green 12, Jack Lambert 12, Donnie Schell 11, and Elsie Greenwood 10. Elsie Greenwood uh, led the Steelers in sacks that year with nine, and interceptions was six. By Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy led the Steelers in the interceptions in 1978. So you go through the 80s, you got nothing. You got you, you got no place in there where the Steelers were in the top three in both yards and and points um, through the 80s. But in 1990, the Steelers were third in points and first in yards in, in the NFL. They had four players with a double digit AV, one of which here's your other one that had a that had a 20. That was Rod Woodson in 1990. You also had David Little with 13, Donald Evans with an 11, Brian Hinkle with a 10. Oh wow, I'm missing one. There should have been five here, and Keith Willis with a 10. I said four; and it was actually five. So uh, in 1990, Gerald Williams led the Steelers and sacks with six. Rod Woodson had five interceptions. So there's a '90s uh, team that that you can see. You know, they're they're kind of. I don't know if they would be, like. 1976 Steelers but you know that wasn't too shabby. The other time in the 90s where the Steelers matched this cry, you know, met this criteria of uh, of finishing the top 3 in in both of those categories was in 1994. They were second in both. They were second in points, second in yards. And they and they had 5 players um Oh, this was the. I'm sorry, I, I wrote down Rod Woodson, but he had he had a, an AV of 20 two different times, because he also had it in 1994 where he had a 20. Kevin Green was 17, Greg Lloyd was 17, Carnell Lake was 12, and Chad Brown was a 10. So the 94 Steelers, their defense was there. Uh, um, the the top players with sacks was Kevin Green with 14 sacks, with Greg Lloyd with 10 sacks. If they had if they had multiple players with double digits. I've recorded them both, and then interceptions was seven. This is the the uh, tied for the most anywhere on this list. Seven with Darren Perry. He was so. Those are some of the key players on that strong defense. Then there was a lull again. You went from nineteen ninety four all the way until two thousand one. In two thousand one, the Steelers were were back at it. They finished third in points. And first in yardage when it came to defense in the NFL. With that one, there were four players. Once we, yeah, four players with a with an AV that was ten or more. It was Jason Gildon led the way with a 19, Kendra Bell with a 15, Earl Holmes with a 10, and Aaron Smith with a 10. And uh, Jason Gildon with that with that high AV. It's because he also uh, led with in sacks with 12. And the person with the most interceptions was Chad Scott with five. So, oh, and in case you're wondering why I didn't have forced fumbles, they didn't have forced fumbles back in the 70s. So that's why I just didn't go that route. So that 0-1 defense, you know, was getting back there. Now we have a defense that can talk about being arguable with the with, uh, 76 defense. So I think they're on the same level, probably not. Uh, when you go back and look at it, but it was the first time since 1976 that the Steelers' defense was first in both categories, first in points surrendered, first in yardage, in 2004, in Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season, when the team went 5-1. and one. And that defense only had four players with an A.V. that was in double digits. James Ferrier had a 19, Troy Palomalo had a 13, Joey Porter had a 13, and Aaron Smith had a 12. Aaron Smith led the Steelers defense with eight sacks and Troy Palomaro led the way with five interceptions. So that defense there, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's, it's very interesting that, you know, back in 76, You know, Joe Green only had six sacks as the leader. Aaron Smith in 04 had eight sacks as the leader, single digits. Okay. Six interceptions versus five interceptions. Very, very interesting that it went that way. A few years later in 2007, the Steelers were back in the top three in both of those categories. And this time they were second in points allowed, but first in yards allowed. So almost got there to that, to that elite level. Um, but they only had two players with a double-digit A.V. James Harrison with a 14 and Troy Palomalu with a 10. Lots of nines and eights and sevens down that list when you look at those names. You know, like Casey Hampton, James Ferrier, Larry Foote, Ike Taylor, Clark Higgins, Brett Kiesel, DeShay Townsend, Aaron Smith. Yeah, lots, lots of players, a lot of players that were all contributing there. But in 2007, James Harrison led the way with eight-and-a-half sacks, and Ike Taylor led the way with three interceptions. Three interceptions led that for the Steelers that, that year. So those were some of the top players on that defense. Um, then you go to 2008. 2008 was yet another team that was first in both categories. First in yards, first in, in points given up. Uh, that's That was pretty impressive for the Steelers there. Five players, five players with an av um, in the double digits, James Harrison with nineteen, Troy Palomalu seventeen, Ferrier sixteen, Woodley eleven, and Aaron Smith ten. Whoo! Um, uh, and then James Harrison had sixteen sacks with Lamar Woodley having eleven point five sacks, and Troy Palomalu led the Steelers with seven interceptions. Seven interceptions, um, you know, matching that of Darren Perry back in '94. So those were some pretty key players in 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 that defense. Then you didn't have to wait too long um, you know of, of after 2008, um, because you know that was a Super Bowl season. 2010 they were back there again where they went to the Super Bowl, but they they weren't number one in both categories. They were first in points but second in yards. That 2010 team had six players. With a double digit AV with James Harrison 19, Troy Palomalu 16, Lawrence Timmons 11, Lamar Woodley 11, James Ferrier 10, and Brett Kiesel 10. Whew, there you go. Um, James Harrison had 10 and a half sacks, and Lamar Woodley had 10 sacks. And once again, Troy Palomalu, another seven interceptions in 2010. And 2011 this was one that was like, because they were first in both categories again. And 2011 looked to be so promising for so long. And the Steelers had four players that had an AV in double digits with Troy Palomalu with 17, Ryan Clark, 10, James Harrison, 10, and Lawrence Timmons, 10. And um, Harrison and Woodley both had nine sacks and Troy Palomalu, Ike Taylor, and William Gay each had two interceptions. So no one had more than two in that season. And just to sum it all up, there was one other year where the Steelers finished in the top three in both Yardage surrendered and points surrendered on defense. And believe it or not, that was in 2020 when the Steelers uh, had that great start to the season, um, started off 11 and 0. The the defense finished third in both. So this is probably out of all the defenses listed, this is the one that has the lowest ranks because they just just made the cut on both of them. Had three players with double digit AVs with TJ Watt at 18, Cam Hayward at 15, and Minka Fitzpatrick 14. Watt had 15 sacks, while Stephon Tuitt had 11 sacks. Um, and Micah Fitzpatrick had four interceptions. So that's some of the key players on those defenses. But, man, that 76 defense, they had nine players with double-digit AVs. That just goes to show you that that was really the standard. Has the, have the Steelers come close? Sure. I'd say, you know, like the 4 the oA 8 defenses were there, a lot of the same players, but just not quite to that same level um that you saw there. Who went long in the first half. Don't worry, the second half will not be as long, but we're going to now look at some Steeler safety tandems and some of the numbers associated there to compare them historically. So stick around, we'll be back right after this. Break. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, here we go. We've got more questions to answer. Really enjoyed that one, Matt O'Grady. Looking at some of those Steelers' best defensive years, and that's not surprising. There were some good defenses, a couple there in the 90s. You know, those the 04, the the 07, 08, those really stood out. And the 2010 and 11 defense, you know, there as well. Just some really good stuff. But I had another question. This came from Nathan Smith. Um he said, uh uh, so I'm curious how Minka slash Edmonds compares so far to the other great safety duos, like Shell Wagner, he said Hope and Clark slash Troy, um, or you know, in various ones there, Perry and Lake. He's like, and was there one in the 80s? Then he also asked me if he could sign uh s- send me my, my my book so I could sign it for him, and I said, Absolutely. Um, and then he was asking about other stuff. Um uh, with, with, with our podcast network. But let's answer this question. So I looked at these safety tandems, and I was trying to go off of years where they started together. And believe it or not, Mike Wagner and Donnie Schell were only the starters with both of them at safety in two separate years, 78 and 80. But if you go back more where you had more was Mike Wagner and Glenn Edwards. So if you want to look at Mike Wagner and Glenn Edwards, they started together at safety for the Steelers from 73 to 76. So four seasons combined. They had 36 interceptions, two touchdowns, 17 fumble recoveries, and 2.5 sacks. Now, I know you don't expect a lot of sacks from your safeties. Also know that fumble recoveries are, you know, very opportunistic, but they didn't have forced fumbles. That they kept track of back then, so that was the best I could do. If you look at that average per season, that's nine interceptions a season between the two of them. You know, half a touchdown on average, four and a quarter fumble recoveries, and point six two five sacks per year. That's some pretty good safety numbers. Then, if you look at Wagner and Shell in nineteen seventy eight and nineteen eighty. Donnie Shell missed a lot in 1979, so I didn't throw that in there. Uh, I should have gone back and added it because I did – you'll explain what I – I'll explain what I did to some stuff later when we get there. But if you want to look at Wagner and Shell, just the two years they started together, 18 interceptions, but they were no touchdowns, seven fumble recoveries, and five sacks. So when you average that, that's once again nine interceptions. No touchdowns, three and a half fumble recoveries, a little bit less than Wagner and Edwards, but two and a half sacks on average, which was more than 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 Wagner and Edwards and and Edwards. So that's some pretty good standard there, especially when you look at inter- numbers like interceptions. Sorry, I don't have tackles. I just don't. They just don't have them. So to to look at that, I went looking through, and when you go through the '80s, there's really not. A team that really jumps out at you that started a lot together, you know Donny Shell played a good bit through the eighties, but who he was playing with was 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 changing a good bit. I mean when you really look at it i mean here let's let's take a second to look at it whenever they whenever you start there, you know it was it was um. Donnie Schell and J.T. Thomas in 81. Donnie Schell and Ron Johnson in 82. Donnie Schell and Rick Woods in three. Donnie Schell and Eric Williams in 84 and 85 and 86. So he could have done that, the, that those, but I don't think those years stand out a whole lot. Then it was Donnie Shell and Thomas Everett in 87. And then it was Everett and, and Cornell Gowdy in 88. And then Everett and Cornell Lake in 89 and, and 90. And ninety-one. So I was I almost did that one, but then the numbers were so much better when it was Lake and Perry, which started in ninety-two. So I jumped to more to, to you know better numbers, is why I did that. So you got Lake and Perry, they started together from ninety-two to ninety-eight. Now, Carnell Lake was not a safety all, all every season in there. Thomas Everett was a safety. Uh, wait, hold on. I'm looking at the wrong year. Carnell Lake was not the safety in there every time because he moved to corner in order to be better for the Steelers. Myron Bell was, was the safety then in, in 95 and Lake moved to corner and was a pro bowler. And then it happened again in 97, but I didn't want to take count that against Carnell Lake just because he played more corner than safety in those years. So, I just decided to go ahead and include the numbers there of those tandem. I hope I hope that's acceptable to my nerds of steel out there. But if you look at Cornell Lake and Darren Perry, from 92 to 98, that was seven seasons, 46 interceptions, six touchdowns, 17 fumble recoveries, and 21 sacks. So these guys, on average per season, 6.57 interceptions, 0.857 touchdowns, you know, almost a touchdown a season, 2.43 fumbles per season, and three sacks per season. So that was the highest of the sacks. I'll tell you that from any of the ones that we do. So that was pretty interesting. You know, not quite the interceptions that you got from the, from the others, but, you know, there was a lot of interceptions back in the 70s. That's just kind of how football was played a, a little bit differently. So moving on to the next one, because it was suggested here uh, that I went ahead and did, you know, because I'm I'm thinking, you know, if Nathan's going to suggest it, I'll do it. And that was Troy Palomalu and Chris Hope. Now, Troy Palomalu and Chris Hope, they only started together for two years. That That was 2004, 2005. And in those two years, they had 11 interceptions, two touchdowns, three fumble recoveries, and four sacks. So that was five and a half interceptions per season, one touchdown per season, Um, that was tied for the best of all the ones we look at. One and a half fumble recoveries and two sacks per season. So that was pretty good. But then you've got Palomalu and Ryan Clark. I was really torn on what to do with these numbers because they were together from 2006 to 2013. Now, each of them missed part of one season in there. Uh, Ryan Clark missed part of 2007. He missed 10 games. Troy Palomalu missed 11 games in 2012. He had another one where he missed some games, but he was still considered the starting safety. I just decided to just go ahead and roll with it because, you know, sometimes they put some pretty good numbers with those games. So what they had was 37 interceptions, three touchdowns, 10 fumble recoveries, and eight sacks. So if you take the, the that 37 divided by eight seasons, you know, that's 4.625 interceptions. On average, but if you let's say you decided to only count it as seven seasons, you know, like a half a season with Paul for the one and a half a season with a Clark with the other, that would have bumped it up over five, over five and a quarter. But but they they averaged uh, less than half a touchdown, one and a quarter fumble recoveries, and one sack. But that was just those numbers. But th- they also did some really special things there, um, and the fact that it was over eight seasons. That was the most. Lake and Perry were seven. Palomalu and Clark were eight. You know, that's pretty good. Now let's look at Mika Fitzpatrick and and Terrell Edmonds. They so far have been together four seasons. Of course, you know, Fitzpatrick missed two games at the beginning of, of, um, of his first season with the Steelers before he was traded, but that's not his fault. But if you look at those two players, in four years combined, they have 21 interceptions, four touchdowns, and when I say touchdowns, this was both interception and fumble recoveries. I, I combine them. Five fumble recoveries and four sacks. So their numbers, they average five and a quarter interceptions per season between the two of them, one touchdown, uh, uh, one and a quarter fumble recoveries, and one sack. So their numbers, when you look at those, aren't that far off. Now those nine interceptions with Wagner and Edwards and Wagner and Shell. You know, that, that's pretty good. That that really is. You know, five and a half for for um, Fitzpatrick and Edmund so far. That's pretty good. But most of those are Mika Fitzpatrick. I mean, in, in all honesty. So how are they? They're not up there with that. I mean, they're in the conversation. I don't think anyone would put them as the best safety tandem in Steelers history. But they're in the conversation. To me, I look at Palomalo and Clark because of their longevity. They really did a lot. Lake and Perry did a lot, you know. Mike Wagner and either Glenn Edwards and Donnie Shell. looking at both of them together. That was, that was pretty amazing too. I would say Fitzpatrick and, Ed, and Edmonds, if they play together some more, it, it's, it, it's going to help. It's going to ha- add them more into that big uh, discussion there. So that's what we have for this week with Steeler Stat Geek. Like I say, keep firing off the questions. I hope you enjoyed uh, some, some, a trip down memory lane with some defense uh, I hope I answered those for you satisfactorily. Make sure you're checking out our podcasts. Uh, after this one today, you'll have another what Ian's talking about, and then tonight's the Steelers preview. If you missed them already, ready? Last night was uh, the the curtain call, and of course you had uh, the 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 audio only lineup of Let's Ride in the Morning and Jim Wexel i can't ever remember the other guy on the show uh I, i've got to write that down uh that's that's just bad no, bad editor, Dave, bad editor, Dave, you should know this, but i really enjoy their podcast. It's, it's, it's great. It's really an asset to have um, to our platform. Uh, if you didn't check that out, make sure you do go back and check it out. It's great. And of course we have plenty of other podcasts coming. You'll have a let's ride tomorrow morning. Um, and then you have, here we go, the Steeler show with, with KT Smith. I always love listening to him and bad. Of course uh, the two of them together are really great. Um, but you've got the whole lineup. If you missed, Anything else this week, you know, great cutting room floor, great stuff from the from the Steelers fix with stuff from the Combine. You know, the Skillbro show, we kind of we try to do our best. You know, it is what, what it is. But but uh had our had the return of the QA on Sunday with Kyle Christ did uh did that. So we should have that again coming on Sunday. Lots of stuff. If you want Steelers content, we've got it. You know, we've got three shows a day during the week and two shows a day on the weekends. Whew. And that's in the off season, so make sure you're checking it all out. Here's the other thing: we are getting ready to move over once once we can from SP Nation to Fans First Sports Network. If you want to make sure you're still getting our content, it is really easy. All you got to do is subscribe. Because if you're subscribed, it's it doesn't matter where it's coming from; it's still going to come right to you every day. You won't even you probably won't even know something happened then all the stuff would be there. So make sure uh, that you do that. So that way it, it it's still there. And you can check it out at behindthesteelcurtain.com where we still have the podcasts and the articles there. So thank you, my Nerds of Steel. Thanks for coming through with some, some great questions. I hope you enjoyed the numbers. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out. <laughs>